0: Alright everybody, guys and girls, welcome back to another edition of the Smackdown Review, right here on the WWE Podcast. As always, I'm your host Michael Ritter, you can find me on Twitter at Michael5Ritter, and on Instagram at MichaelRitter5, also the host of the Football Function Podcast, a podcast centered around NFL news and analysis, and just weekly breakdowns of every week going on in the NFL season. You can also find that podcast on all of the podcast platforms, including Patreon, we are now on Patreon as well, so... Providing ad free listening over there on that podcast as well, but right here on the WWE podcast, I want to start first and foremost by thanking the crisis. As you guys well know, he filled in for me last week for the SmackDown review. I went to Oklahoma City, spent some time with some family, and just you know had a little bit of, a little bit of time off. I guess you can say, and it was nice getting a chance to do that. And I appreciate Crisis filling in and keeping this train rolling. So uh, the WWE podcast schedule and the SmackDown review. Didn't miss didn't miss a beat, and that was the case. He definitely did a damn good job, and I know he will be back soon on the WWE podcast and soon on the SmackDown review as well. But anyways, with all that stuff out of the way, I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. It has been two weeks since we've talked. I just said I wasn't here last week, so it's been two weeks now. I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. I hope you guys are all enjoying time with your family. We are now into December, and that is as you guys all know i mean it's it's not the most exciting month of the year in terms of wrestling the fact that it kind of i mean not kind of it is intertwined with football season it makes december a very hard month of of watching wrestling for me now back in the day it wasn't hard at all because i didn't have the knowledge of will they do things strategically throughout the year to set themselves up for whatever season they're in or whatever pay-per-view they're going in? When it was December, I knew Armageddon was coming at the end of the month and I knew it was going to be a damn good raw pay-per-view and the storylines were going to matter. That's not the case now. We don't even have a December pay-per-view, so that's kind of different in of itself. And now we're kind of preparing for a pay-per-view at the beginning of January, whereas January is usually Royal Rumble season. And I don't, I don't really know. I'm sure that the date is out by now. When the Royal Rumble is, I'm not sure if they're going to have two pay-per-views in in January, maybe have the Royal Rumble at the beginning of February, which would be very weird. I haven't seen the dates, so I'm sure some of you already know the dates, and you're like, no, they're doing it this day, and they're going to have two in January, or whatever the case may be. It's It's weird doing it this way, so I will say it is noticeably different, and I can just, as far as my watching experience, as far as me watching wrestling on a weekly basis, it's no secret over the past month or so I really haven't been watching Raw, and that's just obviously time related and I just haven't really been able to and like I said to be quiet or to be completely blunt and honest with you guys Raw hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt over the past like what five years in my opinion and there have been flashes there have been good parts of Raw but Raw hasn't earned that benefit of the doubt to earn a a three-hour you know slot on my night on on a weeknight that's busy when there's an NFL game going on and You know, all the shows that are coming out, like, I mean, I'm not sure if you guys, I mean, obviously you should know, it's been advertised on USA, because that's what channel it comes on, but the new Chucky series, I've been watching that, it just ended, and All-American, that's another one, so there's there's shows that I've been watching that uh, have been coming out during this time of year, so it's easy to kind of let a show that really doesn't interest you that much, which has been the case with Monday Night Raw, and it has gotten better from what I've heard, it just seems more entertaining, since the draft has happened, the roster's a little bit more even, and it's just easier to uh, to get into Monday Night Raw. So maybe I, I need to start watching it again. But I'll be honest, until, I, until people are telling me, hey, it's safe now. You can come back. Like, this is without a doubt a damn good show on a weekly basis. Then I'll go back. But Monday Night Raw was not doing it for me for the longest time. And obviously, before the draft, the, ro- the rosters were a little bit lopsided. So there was a reason why Raw wasn't as entertaining for SmackDown. And given that I cover SmackDown, I do watch it with a little bit more of a... Closer perspective and you know through a different lens but that's just kind of the situation there so I mean December itself obviously haven't really been watching Raw so I and and you could just feel Smackdown I mean it's still good like there's some good things that are happening on the show right now but it's not necessarily like what it once was earlier in the year. And that could be related to the draft. The roster's getting switched up. Yes, we still have Roman Reigns, but SmackDown did lose a healthy amount of some of the names that were, that made that show what it was. Bianca Belair for the past year was just a huge part of SmackDown. Becky Lynch clearly going over to Monday Night Raw. She wasn't really a, a part of SmackDown until here recently, SummerSlam, whenever she made her return. She's been gone for the most part, at least for you know a big chunk of the time that I've been covering this show. Pretty sure she was on Raw whenever she left. When she got pregnant, she was the Raw Women's Champion. You guys all know that. So SmackDown really didn't lose her, but they did lose her husband, Seth Rollins, and many, many other wrestlers. And despite getting guys like Drew McIntyre, we really haven't gotten to see this roster gel together yet. They really haven't gotten a chance to actually... Test new waters because of I guess the the time that we're in. We just got out of Survivor Series. Now we're in kind of this meaningless time of the year where we're approaching a first time pay per view that will be in Atlanta, Georgia. In Atlanta, Georgia. So shout out to the ATL. As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of not only the the Falcons but the city of Atlanta as a whole. So if I lived closer, I would go to that pay per view 100. But that's going to be fun. Roman Reigns does find out who he will be facing. That um that pay per view. And it's going to be a damn good matchup there. I'm sure you guys already know this. But I guess with all that being said, we can continue on here and get into the show. I kind of just wanted to let you guys know where I'm at, I guess, in the year as far as watching wrestling. December really doesn't doesn't get me that excited. And it, it never really, it never has been the most exciting time of the year. But you can just tell over the past couple of years, it's like they're, they're doing a terrible job of hiding that this is an imp- an important time of the wrestling calendar. But... Like I said, we're going to get into the SmackDown review now. And I actually enjoyed the way this one opened. This SmackDown aired on December 3rd, 2021 from San Antonio, Texas in the AT&T Center. Not the Alamo Dome, which is where a lot of big events in WWE have happened in San Antonio. The most recent one, or at least the one that I've been to, was the Royal Rumble in 2017. So it was late January 2017. It was actually right before... The Falcons were in the Super Bowl against the Patriots in Houston, so not very far from San Antonio at all, and it was like only a week before that game, so that was a pretty cool time. And this Royal Rumble was actually the last one that was the last pay-per-view where there was only one Royal Rumble on the card. This was the last Royal Rumble where it was men's only, and I'm not saying like, ooh, those were the glory days when we didn't have a women's Royal Rumble. I could just look back on it, though, because the Royal Rumble, it it just feels like over the past few years, maybe it started with that greatest Royal Rumble they did in Saudi Arabia, and now the fact that there's two, and I do enjoy the Women's Royal Rumble. This past year, the Women's Royal Rumble was actually better than the men's, and I'm a firm believer in that, so it's not like I'm against that, but just the nostalgic part of it, whenever the the Royal Rumble was just one event, it was one match, one time a year, I was at the very last one where that was the case. Randy Orton ended up winning it in the Alamo Dome, so that's kind of whenever they're in San Antonio, anytime WWE goes there, I can't help but be reminded of that time, but as far as the SmackDown itself, it opened with Brock Lesnar, and that was a pretty, you know, damn, it'll get your attention right off the jump, you know, okay, you hear Brock Lesnar's music, put your phone down, do whatever you're, or whatever you're doing, you need to focus on the show, and he goes out there, and he picks up a mic, and we all know Brock Lesnar isn't the best on the promo, he's not going to You know, just burn the house down and have a five-star promo that gets you invested into what storyline. Brock Lesnar's presence alone gets you invested. Him being involved in a program is going to draw eyeballs. It's going to make you want to watch no matter what. No matter what's going on in other promotions or what's going on in WWE. If you hear Brock Lesnar is going to show up, just without a doubt, your interest level in that show is going to go up whether you want to admit it or not. But anyways, that's how it comes out. He he comes out and he says, look, I'm here for the Universal Championship. That is the only reason why I'm here. Now keep in mind, he was suspended before this. He got suspended back in October for going on that rampage on the outside of the ring, just beating up officials. Adam Pearce definitely got the worst of that. And Adam Pearce, just a little sidebar here, conveniently wasn't at the show tonight. Now Sonya Deville blamed that on traffic or transportation, something like that. But he was in San Antonio because he said, well... Brock Lesnar's there tonight. I don't want to cause a distraction or anything like that. So maybe it's best that I go remember the Alamo tonight or something like that. And just basically being a you know what, a chicken blank because he doesn't want to show up at SmackDown and face Brock Lesnar because he knows that he suspended him and he would likely get his ass handed to him again which wouldn't necessarily be smart by Brock Lesnar because it would likely land him back on the suspended list. And it's just not a can of worms you want to open. So maybe Adam Pearce did make the right decision by not showing up tonight. But that's just kind of a a little side note I wanted to say there. Lesnar doesn't mention Pearce, so it's not anything like that. Like, they're trying to continue it. Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce himself are really the only people that even, like, allude to that and kind of mention what happened back then. But anyways, Sami Zayn... I know, it's pretty crazy. Sami Zayn has the balls to interrupt Brock Lesnar and come out there and basically just try to introduce himself. Because Brock Lesnar admittedly says, I don't have the slightest idea who the hell you are. Like, are you a fan? Are you a fan of mine? Like, what are you doing out here? Obviously, he was being a smartass, but that's just... It's one of the things, like, you bust your ass. It's kind of like what Charlotte Flair did to Tony Storm last week when she says, I barely even know you exist. And the crowd just, you know, loses it. That's pretty... It's one of the lowest spots you can be as a performer because... You've been an independent star or at least, you know, a a local star wherever you're from for basically your whole like professional wrestling career. You've been better than everybody else. And then you get to the WWE and you're standing there across the ring with somebody like Brock Lesnar or like Charlotte. And they're basically just absolutely crapping on you saying, dude, everything you've done is nothing. It pales in comparison to even just being in the same ring as me, and you're lucky that I'm even saying your name, because me saying your name is giving you too much attention. Charlotte literally said that, and I'll get to Charlotte here a little bit later in the show, because I was impressed with everything that she does in this episode of SmackDown, in terms of her mic work, but anyways, Sami Zayn comes out, he starts to introduce himself to Brock Lesnar, he says, yeah, I'm the older statesman, all that good stuff, but before he does that, he tries to say, I am the number one contender for Roman Reigns' Universal Championship, And, I mean, that's fact. He is. He won the Battle Royal last week, and he earned that. And Brock Lesnar immediately just starts to, you know, pressure him. You need to fight Roman Reigns tonight. Why wait? Why do all that? Why why wait till day one or whatever, you know, date it was scheduled for you to fight Roman Reigns? Wrestle him tonight here in San Antonio. And, of course, the crowd loses it once he mentions the city. But Brock Lesnar, for whatever reason, he wants Sami Zayn. To fight Roman Reigns tonight, and that reason is revealed a little bit later. I guess you can say because he does. Sami Zayn eventually gets like basically bullied into accepting it, and he does just that. He accepts the challenge with Roman Reigns, and then he goes backstage. He goes backstage, and he finds Sonya Deville, and then he kind of tells her, "Hey, look, th- th- this match can't be made official tonight, right? Adam Pearce isn't here. He's not. He's not here. He can't make it official. So, me and Roman cannot push this match up, and we can't do it tonight." And Sonya Deville simply says, well, actually, I can make that match official, and I'm going to do just that. So tonight, you are going to be going one-on-one with Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. Brock Lesnar, who's standing a little bit in the distance, says, okay, and I get the winner at day one, right? And Sonya just says, yeah, of course you do. So it's kind of it's kind of funny how Brock Lesnar can make matches for himself, and Sonya will just bow down and say yes, but Naomi has to jump through hoops and... Bend over backwards and do this and that just to even get Sonya to show her the respect that she deserves. That's definitely a good heel tactic by uh, the WWE official version of Sonya Deville. But we can move on here and talk about the first matchup that happened of the night. And it was Shayna Baszler versus Sasha Banks. Now, we were just talking about this because I'm recording this Saturday morning and we were talking about this in the Discord server. Me, Amanda Jen, and DJ Kuzmo were discussing how Shayna Baszler, it looked like she tapped out during this match whenever she was in the bank statement. Because Sasha Banks had her, it was locked in, and she just pounds the mat with her fist a couple times. And while I was watching this, I said, wait, did she just tap out? And I even told my roommate, like, hey, you better be careful doing that. Like, when you're in a submission, pounding the mat doesn't seem like something smart that you would do. And in my opinion, it should still be considered a submission. Because, I mean, you're you're tapping out, technically. I mean, does it matter if your hand lays flat? I mean, like, seriously, are are we nitpicking like that? But you could tell the ref didn't call it, so that's not where the match was supposed to end. I think Shayna just had a little bit of a brain fart and just, oh, maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm in a submission move here. But anyways, Sasha Banks does sneak out of this with a roll-up, a a nice little, you know, creative roll-up, not just your typical boring roll-up. Now, all roll-ups in some way can still be considered very, very bad, and definitely not a way that a match with women of this caliber should uh, should end. I think that a match like this should definitely have a definitive winner. Make one of these women look very, very strong. And why not Shayna Baszler? Sasha Banks does not need this win. She doesn't need to beat Shayna Baszler. Especially when you when you play a video package for Shayna Baszler before this match. Highlighting women that she's literally like broken their arm and made them get fired from WWE. Not made them get fired, but that's kind of how Pat McAfee referenced it. The... Uh, the future endeavors kick is pretty much is, is what he said whenever she stomped because in the video package it showed her stomp on Nia Jax's arm and then Eva Marie so consequently that's pretty much what that move can be labeled as because if you if she does that to you you're likely going to get fired or at least that's the, the trend that WWE has been setting but i think that, i mean you showed that video package you made Shayna Baszler look like she's this badass and you make her lose with a roll up to Sasha Banks, like, well, why? I don't really understand it. I, to be honest, I don't know what what uh, Sasha Banks is doing in like the mid card. Whenever Charlotte Flair is clearly on the roster as the champion, like, I don't, I don't really know why those two haven't gone at it yet. Whenever Sasha's like in, in the babyface role, am, am I mistaken there? I know it's very, it's very hard to pinpoint what role Sasha is year in and year out, but she's a babyface right now. Am I right there? I feel like she is. She's been going at it with Shotzi Blackheart. Shotzi was not on the show tonight, so she gets a match with Shayna. But it does just puzzle me why Sasha isn't in the women's championship picture. Maybe it's just because of her inconsistency being there. They don't know if she's going to be there week in, week out. She could have something come up. I do know that she's in the Mandalorian. I'm not sure if they're done filming that or whatever because I know that's why she missed some time here at some point in 2021 because she was doing some stuff like that. But I don't know. It's just I feel like Sasha Banks, she deserves to be in the main event. Like whenever you're talking about a women's championship match, Sasha Banks, if she's on the roster, she should definitely be in that conversation. But I guess they could be saving that. They could be saving it for a little bit later down the line. Let Tony Storm get a little bit of notoriety and a little bit of a push here to maybe build herself up. Because, I mean, she's been on the roster since like July and they've not done a thing with her at all. She's only lost a couple of matches. He's had a one-on-one match. This is the first actual program that she's been in where she's getting weekly airtime. So shout out to Tony Storm for getting that. But I mean, I guess, I guess we'll see what happens with Sasha and how long it actually takes her. She is probably a favorite to win the SmackDown or I guess the Women's Royal Rumble. It's kind of weird because at this point last year, I had already made my prediction that Bianca Belair was going to win it. Late October is whenever I came out and said that I do feel like Bianca is going to win that Royal Rumble. And she ended up doing it. This year's so different like I don't I don't feel confident in almost anybody saying that anybody is going to win the Royal Rumble. And I guess that's a good thing. You don't want to you you want it to be a mystery whenever we get closer to that time, but still it's just weird I guess that uh that nobody is separating themselves from the pack in that regard. But let's continue on here in the show. We get to a segment. This one is happy talk. And the first thing I noticed about this was Baron Corbin's in shorts. And I don't think I've ever seen Baron Corbin in shorts. His legs are extremely tatted up like you would expect. But it was just weird. It um it definitely caught, caught me off guard whenever he came out there. And Pat McAfee was like, wait, what's that on his shins? Is he wearing camouflage or something like that? So I don't know if that was just like a joke or something like that or if he genuinely was wondering what the hell Baron Corbin was wearing. But that's the first thing I noticed whenever I saw them come out. This really wasn't that meaningful of a segment at all. I mean, Happy Talk is one of the worst talk shows that are going on right now. I still don't know the point for it. Like are, are you going out there just telling jokes to try to make the audience happy? Are you trying to make the people that you're you're roasting happy? Like I don't really understand the point of this talk show. But it's happening week in and week out and they just sit up there and they tell jokes. This particular segment was about Drew McIntyre and Jeff Hardy. They were just taking shots at him. I don't even remember one of them. I don't feel like any of them that they told were very good. But Drew and Jeff do come out eventually and they get the better of Happy Corbin and Mad Cat Moss basically just by beating the hell out of them, throwing them out of the ring, putting on their hats and doing a little bit of like a dance to humiliate them. But I feel like this segment was more so for the the people that were in attendance at home. It really wasn't even that. I mean, the jokes they were telling weren't funny. The segment was kind of like out of nowhere. You really don't understand why Jeff Hardy and Drew McIntyre are teaming together. It's just kind of one of those things like, hey, just enjoy it. It's one of those segments. You like Drew, you like Jeff. Have a nice little segment here. So that's kind of the way I the way I perceived it. But let's see. Oh yeah, Zia Lee. DJ Kuzmo, if I'm not mistaken, he's the one who said on the mailbag that she has had so many video packages and they haven't shown her yet. And I agree. Like, what the hell? I, I really didn't notice it until he pointed that out. But he's like, yeah, you're right. Where the hell is she? And it does, it's official now. SmackDown is going to be in LA next week at the Staples Center, which is actually the Crypto.com Staples Center or something. I don't really know exactly what it is. But it's definitely not just the regular Staples Center. And that's what Michael Cole called it. But anyways, zia Lee will be making her SmackDown debut next week in Los Angeles. So you can... Get excited for that, DJ, because we are finally going to get Zia Lee making her SmackDown appearance. But we get another match here, Viking Raiders versus, versus Los Lotharios. And this match is kind of going by quickly anyways before the interference or before the distraction, I guess you can say. But Rick Boogs and Shinsuke Nakamura, they come out and they stand on the announce table and they're playing the guitar and everything. And I don't really understand their their reason for coming out because the Viking Raiders, number one, they could have beaten... The Los Lotharios without them, they could have beaten them without Boogs and Nakamura coming out. And then, like they distracted them while, or while the Viking Raiders were in control of the match. Like that was weird. Like you, you normally you, if you're gonna come out and distract somebody, you're gonna distract them while they're in control of the match and give the other team the chance to you know get the advantage. But it was weird. I mean, they distracted the Viking Raiders, caused the Viking Raiders to lose this match. And you can tell they feel bad, like they obviously distracted the wrong team. And the Viking Raiders go outside the ring and they're like saying, what the hell, you know, what are you doing? We understand you're trying to help. And then Rick Boog starts playing the Viking Raiders theme song on the guitar. And Eric and Ivar, they kind of start pounding their chest, doing their war thing. You know, the thing that they do when they pound their chest while their theme song's playing. Shinsuke joins in, Pat McAfee joins in, it's kind of a little bit of like an obnoxious segment, I really wasn't a big fan of this, and a a lot of reasons why, number one, I mean it was was weird that they were pissed off that they got distracted and lost the match, but they forgot about it immediately once he started playing their theme song on the guitar, and about that, once he started playing the theme song, immediately, Ivar started pounding his chest, like, it took me like three or four seconds to even really, wait, what the hell is he playing, like, I, I just hear him playing, like, a note on a guitar, There's absolutely no way that you would be able to tell that fast. Hey, he's playing our theme song. Let me just start doing my usual thing that I do with my chest. So that's the thing. You got to wait a little bit. Do a little bit better job with that because he just immediately went to it. It told me, all right, well, now this just looks like some choreographed segment that I'm watching here that's absolutely terrible. So it was a low point of the show, in my opinion, was the ending of this match and then this little interaction that they had on the outside of the ring. It's it's one of those things where I, I, I was a very... I guess you can say, outspoken advocate for Rick Boogs whenever he just got here. Whenever he, you know, that thing first started, I liked his look, him playing the guitar. But it is starting to get a little bit old, I will say. We got to see something else here. Shinsuke Nakamura defends your damn title. It's just getting, I'm getting annoyed seeing you come out every single week, not saying a damn word, just dancing to Rick Boogs' guitar solo, whatever it is, and just holding that title hostage. Do something with it. Like, I, I want to see something happen with the Intercontinental Championship. The fact that it's not being used at all, like, what the hell are you doing? It's, there's absolutely no excuse for it. I swear, if that title is not on the card at day one or at the Royal Rumble, like, it's time that we start petitioning WWE to just get rid of the damn title in of itself because it's just flat out disrespectful that they're just wasting it like this, putting it on the shelf, letting it collect dust. I mean, what the hell? Hasn't it been like since August since Shinsuke Nakamura has defended that thing? Like, are you kidding me? This isn't the 24-7 20, championship that we're talking about here. This isn't the women's tag team championships or the Raw Women's Championship whenever Asuka was the champion. And even though the Raw Women's Championship is clearly a an important championship, it's not like prestigious or anything like that. But the Intercontinental Championship is prestigious, and it does mean something here in the WWE. So if you're going to put it on a wrestler who's capable of carrying it, like Shinsuke Nakamura, who can go night in, night out and de- defend that championship, then do that. But if you're not... Then I don't really know what the hell to tell you because it's just flat out—it's annoying at this point, and um, it's just something that they, for some, for whatever reason they never get out of their own way with that. There's always a championship that's being neglected, and then you have people who like suggest bringing on another one, like and, and I'm for that. Like whenever it was suggested to bring on a mid card women's championship and switch it with the women's division, like the tag team division, so it's basically you still, it's it's basically like that mid card belt would take the place of the women's tag team championships. Now that's smart. Because you're you're taking one and you're replacing it. So you're not adding anything. We don't need any more champions because they really can't even manage the ones that they have right now. So that's just flat out pathetic on their behalf. And uh, you're getting paid a lot of money to book a wrestling show. And um, for whatever reason, they just seem to forget that they have a pretty you know important title there that's just being wasted around the waist of Shinsuke Nakamura. But let's see here after going on that little bit of a unexpected rant definitely did not uh, did not think I was going to go on a Shinsuke Rant but hey those are the best rants when you're just going and you feel yourself start you know getting frustrated with a situation that's going on on the show or something like that and it's kind of just like gradually building up week in and week out I feel like that uh, that rant definitely was at least somewhat deserving for Shinsuke Nakamura but we're going to move on here to Jay Uso versus King Woods and this was just clustered from the beginning in my opinion they come out, and the Usos cut a promo on Xavier Woods, and then Woods comes out, and he says, yes, my crown is broken for now. He hints that he's getting another one. But he says that the king will always come um, with gifts, pretty much, and he's going to gift us something. Well, if your version of a gift is gifting us Kofi Kingston coming out, then I hate to see what your kids are getting for Christmas because you are an absolute terrible gift giver. So, yeah, that, so that's pretty much what it is. He says that my, I'm, in, I'm introducing Sir Kofi Kingston, And then the New Day music hits. Not Big E's new song, not Xavier's new song. Of course, Kofi Kingston is the one that has to latch on to that New Day gimmick. And that's what he does. He comes out to the New Day song and they attack the Usos in the ring. We get the Woods versus Jey Uso match. But it really doesn't, I mean, it doesn't even last very long. It ends in a disqualification on the outside of the ring. And they kind of just beat the hell out of each other for a little bit. Not a very, given that the Usos are involved in the bloodline and King Woods just won the King of the Ring and he was just involved in a segment with Roman Reigns you would think that this would have a little bit more juice to it but it really wasn't that important or I guess impactful in my opinion it just seemed like a segment that kind of came and it went there really wasn't nothing you could uh, you could take from it other than Kofi Kingston is back from his sprained MCL now up next we get Charlotte Flair coming out and she's supposed to I guess basically answer the challenge of Tony Storm who continuously shows up and she challenges Charlotte Flair. She showed up tonight and she addresses her getting pied in the face last week. She references herself as Two Pies Tony, which come on, you, you don't wanna start that. You don't wanna give yourself a nickname. I think DJ Kuzmo said it best in the Discord chat. He said you don't wanna give Vince McMahon any more ideas or anything like that and that's exactly right. Um you don't wanna you don't wanna sell yourself short as some comedy segment like that. And the whole pie thing, that's another thing that's a benefit of being in the Discord chat. You get to be a part of these conversations where we talk about that and we reference how the pies were really runny. Like what kind of whipped cream were you using there? Like, is is it just like a whipped cream pie that's melted a little bit? Because once you put the pie on their face, it's almost like they have like melted vanilla ice cream on their face. That's at least what it looks like to me. It's definitely not your typical pie. But before I get into anything else that happens with the pie, I will say Charlotte Flair one of the best on the mic like flat men or women and I I will say I'm not the biggest Charlotte Flair fan like people will come out and they'll say Charlotte Flair is without a doubt the greatest women's wrestler of all time this and that I don't agree with that now I mean is there an argument to be made 100% she has a case to be made without a doubt the most decorated women's wrestler of all time but whenever you're talking about just pure wrestling and all that like you get booked into having that many championships it's not like you're genuinely going out there like the Patriots and winning seven championships that's not happening you know like you're getting booked into these situations. So yeah, I, I'll acknowledge that Charlotte Flair decorated as hell, but that doesn't make her the best wrestler of all time. I'm sorry, it doesn't. There's women's wrestlers who have come around that are damn good. There's women's wrestlers who are in her own era that are damn good. Now, obviously, like I said, she's in the conversation and I'm not just going to flat out say she isn't the best of all time, but in my opinion, I feel like I mean, when people just say, "Hey, it's 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 I mean, it's over. Like she's without a doubt the best of all time. There's no debate at all." I'm like, well, hold your horses a little bit. That's just a little bit you know, disrespectful to some of the women that are in the company right now and that have been in the company in the past that you might not be familiar with their work because you got your head shoved so far up Charlotte's, you know what. But anyways, you guys can tell what kind of mood I'm in today, I guess. It's definitely fun uh, talking about wrestling and going on a little bit of rants here. But anyways, as far as her outside of the ring in terms of working, but just on the mic, a one, she's on edges level. She doesn't stumble over words. She makes valid points. She brings like a, a sense of realism to it. You don't really know if it's kayfabe or not. Like, is, is that real? Like, did she, was that a shoot that she just said? Charlotte does that all the time. When she's on the mic, she's an entertaining as hell, and she makes points, and she knows what the hell she's talking about. And she backs it up in the ring. Like, she flat out says, "Look, I humiliated Tony Storm last week by putting two pies in her face. Imagine what I'll do to her if she steps in the ring with me. Like, seriously, imagine what I will do to Tony Storm if she really wants to hop in this ring." and wrestle me, and that's a mismatch, 100%, Charlotte Flair against Tony Storm, that would not end well for Tony Storm at this point in her career, maybe ever, that's just a matchup that you might not get, I mean, I'm sorry, love you to death, but that doesn't mean you're going to beat Charlotte Flair, it's kind of like Jeff Hardy, you know, like, I love Jeff Hardy to death, but in his era, he wasn't beating Triple H when Triple H was a champion, are you kidding me? So, I mean, it's just kind of like there's levels to it, and I can, I fully understand that, but... It, it is interesting, though, how she just refuses to to give her this match. I mean, if you are so confident that you can just mop the floor with her, why not just give her the match and prove it, you know? I mean, maybe she just feels like she's not even worthy. I'm not going to stoop to that level. And that is good in of itself. You know, you don't want champions just accepting every single challenger that comes up just, all right, you want a championship match? You got it. She got pied in the face after this, Charlotte Flair did. And she still, I mean, that might be the thing. That might be what does it and says, all right, you little, you know what, you're getting this match. But that's probably what it took because it didn't look like she was going to give Tony Storm the time of day. She wasn't even going to, you know, give her that one match for that SmackDown Women's Championship. But I feel like that is inevitably going to be the match at Day One, and if it is, I hope. Like I'm excited for that because, it, like I said, it's somebody new. Tony Storm. There are other women on the roster. I just mentioned Sasha Banks, who are deserving of being in this spot. But man, the division in of itself is desperate of developing new stars men and women. So start here with Tony Storm, let her get a little bit of the rub from Charlotte and then move on to the next one. Keep developing these women and keep bringing them up because eventually you're going to need them. You're going to need this deep roster. AEW is not playing around on the other side. They're not going away. So if you want to compete with that and you want to have people come to watch your show week in and week out, then you got to have new stars. You got to have a future and say, "All right, this is what's going on right now, but look at these young guys, that's the future right there." So just in terms of building a good wrestling show, I feel like that's very, very important. But continuing on here, there's not a whole lot left. We will get to this Sheamus versus Cesaro match that uh, was definitely hard hitting, brutal. They were doing a lot of smack talking in the match, talking about or Sheamus was saying that Rich Holland is half the man or twice the man. Sorry, that Cesaro is, or Cesaro is, if I could talk and Cesaro was basically telling Seamus how he was a big brother to him. And he's just like, what the hell are you doing? You're talking all this crap to me. I I, I thought at one point you were a big brother, but this is just, this is really who you are. And it's just, if if Cesaro can go warn somebody else what Seamus is capable of, why is he so surprised? Like, why is he himself surprised that Seamus is, you know, just being a heel, you know, taking the low road, doing all that conniving stuff? Why would he be surprised at that? I don't know. It's just weird. Like, if you're giving somebody else advice, you should probably take it yourself. But Cesaro tries to hit the gotch neutralizer. Does not work. Ends with a bro kick from Sheamus. And that's how this match ends. Sheamus is definitely, I guess, dominant early in his run on SmackDown. And that's likely going to continue. He's somebody who I wouldn't mind being built up and maybe having another run in with Roman Reigns I don't know I mean they're both heels so I'd be kind of hard to work right now but whenever they fought in the end of 2015 early 2016 I think that that was a pretty entertaining entertaining program with Sheamus and Roman Reigns so I wouldn't mind them touching that again but I feel like right now he's doing a good job with the whole Ridge Holland stuff and uh I like what Sheamus is doing on Smackdown and I hope we see more of him in the coming weeks but up next we get another entertaining little backstage segment here and it's between Sonia and Naomi. Now, but really quickly, I will say, before I get off topic and go just on a, on another little sidebar here with the women's division, they have three different programs going on right now on SmackDown. As far as the women, Charlotte and Tony, Sasha Banks and Shotzi Blackheart slash Shayna Baszler, whatever opponent she has that week, but mainly Shotzi. That's who they're actually feuding with. And this one was Sonia and Naomi. So... SmackDown is doing a good job with the women. They really are, as far as having multiple programs. And uh, I'm gonna give it time. Like I said, I am a little bit questioning Sasha Banks' placement in all this, but it's all right. Like I said, I'm gonna give it time. You never know what could happen. Sasha's gonna get her turn. Probably around WrestleMania season is usually when for Sasha gets pretty relevant. And I expect that to be the case. But I like what's going on right now when they have depth. And three points in the show, you can get three different storylines with women. And that's just something that you really didn't see. That's something you don't even see on Raw on a longer show. So, I mean, that's just shout out to SmackDown for doing that. And I definitely enjoy what I'm seeing there from the women's division. But Naomi walks up to Sonya and she says, look, I couldn't even enjoy my match last week because I couldn't stop thinking about you and all the... BS that you've done to me over the past couple of weeks I've challenged you to this match I've asked you multiple times are you scared like wh- why do you not want to do this and Tonya says like scared that's that's funny she basically says look I'm the, I'm your boss if I, I will give you the match that you want but I'll do it whenever I'm damn good and ready whenever I feel like taking off this suit and until I take off that suit remember I am your boss so if you even think about touching me you're not going to have a paycheck it's pretty much what she was trying to say and uh Naomi just says, all right, so I mean, do you accept my challenge then? And right then, she doesn't really say yes. She just smacks her right in the face. And then I I guess she says yes after that. I can't really remember exactly how it happened, but she smacked the hell out of her. I mean, go back and watch that. Watch it in slow motion if you have to. That was, it wasn't like a, like there's different ways of smacking. Like you could smack somebody and it makes a really loud sound, but it doesn't really hurt that bad. But if you smack somebody and, like, you actually get, like, the palm of your hand, like, that's what this was. This was a hard smack. I wouldn't even call it a smack. It was just damn near a hit. Like, she literally hit her with, like, the palm of her hand, and she rocked Naomi's jaw. And uh, next week, we get that match. Sonya Deville versus Naomi one-on-one. It's not going to go down like that, I promise you. Something is going to happen. They have too much. They have a good spot here. They have a good storyline. So they're not going to ruin it. They're not just going to let it blow off right here at this spot. They're going to let it keep building. And this will likely be a match at day one, but I could be wrong and they could just have it end next week on SmackDown, but I do feel like that would be a bad decision by WWE. But like we were promised earlier in the show by Sami Zayn, he accepted that match to have his number one contenders match against Roman Reigns tonight. Not waste any time. They're going to do it tonight and have the match. And Brock Lesnar said earlier in the show that he was going to be by Sammy's side and he was going to have his back. Brock Lesnar does come out there. But he beats the living hell out of Sami Zayn to the tune of, what was it? Let me see. I wrote down here. It was three suplexes and two F5s. So, I mean, he just, he did that to him. So, almost, you know, left him basically lifeless. Stood him up in the corner, basically, you know, so he could start the match and then he left. So, it was very clear who Brock Lesnar wanted to win this match. Despite saying that he wanted Sami Zayn to win, it was very obvious that he really wanted Roman Reigns to win so he could get that shot at Roman. But, Roman Reigns comes out, does a spear, and you would think that he would do the nice thing. Sami Zayn's already lifeless. He just speared the hell out of him, just you know, roll him over and pin him one, two, three. That's not what he does. He picks him up, gets him in the guillotine, and Sami Zayn taps out immediately. So that's, uh, that's how this match ends, and we do get it official. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at day one, and... I guess Brock Lesnar's plan worked by getting Sami Zayn to accept that match and just say, look, I don't care who wins tonight pretty much. Am I going to get that number one contender spot at day one? Sonya Deville grants it to him, and then he says, well, who do I want? Hmm, I would definitely want a piece of Roman Reigns. That's the money match, so that's what he does. He goes out there and interferes, and he costs Sami Zayn. Like, I mean, Sami Zayn wasn't going to win this anyway. Let's just go ahead and be honest there, and it's not like he came out and just like cheated him during the match while Sami Zayn was like, had some momentum. I mean, he went out there and just handled him before the match, and uh, that's kind of what happened there. Roman Reigns wins it, defends or defends his championship successfully, and now he has a championship defense in Atlanta, Georgia, day one pay per view. And I'm looking forward to that match. Anytime Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns can lock horns, it, it's worth watching. I know they've done it before; it's nothing new, but still, I mean, it's exciting. It's a battle of two behemoths, two people who are definitely respected respected in the company. And uh, it's it's a heavyweight fight, literally. So I'm definitely excited to watch that. I I will say, though, the Brock Lesnar and Sami Zayn dynamic was entertaining. I really hope we get more of that. Not everybody can work with Brock Lesnar. I just think that Sami Zayn did a hell of a job. And Brock probably enjoyed it. Just the way that Sami was selling, being scared and all that stuff. He could probably sell F5s and suplexes for days. So I think Brock Lesnar probably enjoys working with Sami. And I think they do have a little bit of chemistry there. So I hope we see some more of that going forward. Although Brock Lesnar isn't around very often... He is on a multi-year deal. So there is going to be several opportunities for Sami Zayn to get the rub from Brock Lesnar. But that does do it for me here, guys, on the SmackDown Review. I want to thank you guys for listening. As always, I hope you guys will come back next week, going to be another entertaining week. We got the Sonya Deville versus Naomi match, and I'm looking forward to breaking that one down for you guys. So that alone is, is reason to come back next week and watch that episode of SmackDown. So... With all that being said, guys, I hope you guys all have a great weekend. Walk passionately in the direction of your dreams, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show. Or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash wwepodcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.